Hello, it's Caroline, and I'm here to tell you that the episode you're about to listen to was recorded a long time ago, back when I used Patreon, back when I ran lots of different workshops and programs that I do not run anymore, and back before the Fuck It Diet book. So if I refer to any of these obsolete offerings while you're listening, just know that even though my Patreon and other programs don't exist anymore, you can find helpful resources by going to thefuckadiet.com slash more. You can also read the beginning of the Fuck It Diet book for free from my site. Lastly, this podcast is extremely messy. And it was actually intentionally messy and unstructured because that was the only way I could inspire myself to start and continue this podcast. I needed the lowest stakes possible. And though this podcast remains very low budget and has remained messy throughout the years until now, if you want slightly more structured and streamlined episodes, listen to the more recent episodes. All right, enjoy. No, I don't want a metronome. What the heck? All right, this is a test. How does this sound? Does it sound wonderful? Better. Welcome to season. I'm really stuck on TV, guys. I've been watching a lot of Game of Thrones and a lot of The Office. Welcome to episode 20-something of the Fuck It Diet Radio. My name is Caroline Duner. I am your host, and I am the creator of the Fuck It Diet Dot com. Today, I'm going to be reading some of my newest blog posts, and I'm also going to be answering some podcast insider questions. I have started doing a Q&A with questions that podcast insiders ask. How do you become a podcast insider, you ask? You go to patreon.com slash carolineduner, p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash carolineduner, d-o-o-n-e-r, And you can become an insider by donating, essentially, to the podcast as little as $1 a month. And today, I'm going to answer some of those questions. And if you want to ask questions that I will answer live on the podcast, you can do that as well. What else do I need to tell you? Um, Game of Thrones Season 7 Episode 6 was last night. It was very upsetting, very traumatizing. I'm very tired today because I stayed up really, really late reading tweets, hashtag Game of Thrones, to see what funny memes people made, and watching, you know, some sad scenes dubbed over with My Heart Will Go On, and then today I spent like 45 minutes learning how to do the very same thing, because I didn't like the way they had lined up the musical cues with the action of the scene. I was like, dude, you don't really understand how music works. It was still sad, but I made it even sadder and much more pleasing. So that's really what's going on with me. (laughs) I'm still writing the book. The book is coming along. I'm on the last section of the book, uh, and I'm super excited. What else is happening? Um, In the next month or two, and I know I've been saying this for a while, but in the next month or two, I'm going to be revamping three different things, which is why it's going to take longer than I think it's going to take. I'm going to be revamping the welcome sequence, the free welcome sequence that I give to anyone who signs up for the Fuck It Diet emails. I'm going to be making them video lessons as opposed to just emails. I'm also going to be revamping Fucketeer Academy and making it more in line with what I've come to realize is the best way to teach this stuff from me writing the book. I've had some epiphanies doing that. 
And I'm also going to revamp my Become Your Own Damn Guru intuition program. And I'm super excited about that. This is all just based on what's become clear to me after running these programs a couple times. So of course I'll be updating you on this podcast about all of that. But the update is that when I revamp Fucketeer Academy, I'm gonna be raising the price. Right now it's only $50 and it's a self-study program. When I revamp it, I'm probably gonna make it closer to $200 and there will be a payment plan. But if you want to get it for super cheap now, go ahead and get it. And then when I do the revamp and add all this cool stuff, you will be grandfathered into the revamp as well. So now, without further ado, I'm going to do what I didn't do before I started recording, which is look up what I'm actually going to read today. Because the way that I have been making this podcast work is reading the blog post that I've written since the last ones. But you may be happy to know that the next podcast episode that I release is going to be a second talk with Isabel Fox and Duke. I have an interview with her maybe a year and a half ago. Um, and it's definitely my, my most popular blog, not blog, my most popular episode. And I have another chat with her that should be pretty great. So that's, I already had the chat. I'm going to upload it next week. Um, and there might be one more thing I wanted to say, but I don't remember. Doesn't matter. All right. Okay, so I wrote this post in response to there's somebody close to me in my life um, who has a really, really bad eating disorder. And because I do this work that I do, people sort of think that like, why can't you talk to her? Why can't you like pull her out of it? Why has she talked to you but still not um, healed? And basically it inspired this post that I wrote that I'm gonna read right now. I remembered the thing that I meant to say. What I meant to say is uh, they updated GarageBand and now I don't know how to use it anymore which sucks. There are things that I used to be able to do, like lowering the volume of a clip halfway through. And I just don't know how to do it anymore. I don't know how to learn. Oh, maybe it's this. Mm, I don't know. Anyway, here is the post. The post is called The Fear of Being Ugly. I wrote it August 3rd, 2017. I don't work with extreme eating disorders because I don't want to. I'm also not qualified to, and I have never personally had one, but mostly I don't want to. It is really dark, hard, and heavy stuff, which you may know if you have had one or are in the middle of one. And I'm going to elaborate on this right now that of course it's a spectrum. What I experienced was on the spectrum to an extreme restrictive eating disorder, but it was not anorexia. It never was. Um, though I would go through phases of being very, very restrictive. All right, back to this post. Most importantly, you cannot save someone who does not actually want to be saved, who's not actually willing to do the really, really hard and painful and scary work that it takes to heal. You can't change someone who is only half willing to change. My personal issue with food and weight was obsessive. It was miserable. It was chronic dieting and orthorexia, plus body dysmorphia, horrible body image, and lots of weight fixation and still nobody could have saved me for myself nobody could get through to me past my own decision about what was important i had to come to it on my own and i had to want it really badly i had to surrender to my biggest fear 
My biggest fear was being ugly. Well, at the exact same time, I had to actively change my beliefs about beauty and worth. That is a paradox. You have to do the work to unlearn what you've learned about beauty. You have to unlearn all the reasons you believe gaining weight would make you ugly and unworthy. But at the same time, you have to accept the possibility of actually being ugly. Because if you feel worthy and know that you are worthy, even if you believe you aren't beautiful, you can't lose. It is really, really important to choose to love and accept yourself even if you don't believe you are beautiful. Of course, your beliefs about whether you're beautiful or not don't equal other people's visions of beauty, whatever. I don't even feel like talking about that right now. That's what it comes down to. You have to want to be happy more than you want to be beautiful. And I must always remember that I can't force that epiphany on anyone, just as nobody could have forced it on me. If the fuck a diet helps you with your eating disorder recovery, if you're with your anorexia or your restrictive eating disorder recovery, that's wonderful. But I am not in the business of healing people or converting people because I really don't believe that you can do that. The truth remains the same no matter how far down the food weight rabbit hole you are or how far over on this spectrum you are, this eating disorder spectrum. If you aren't willing to do the really scary work, you won't recover no matter how many of my blog posts you read. The desire to heal has to be stronger than your desire to stay feeling control, feeling in control. There's a lot of typos that I'm seeing. Your desire to feel discomfort and pain has to become stronger than your desire to numb. The desire to be healthy has to be stronger than your desire to be skinny. The desire to live has to be stronger than your desire to wither away. You have to be willing to face your biggest fear of being bigger and nobody can force that on you. Again, your desire to be happy has to be stronger than your desire to be your definition of beautiful. The unwillingness to be alive. The other thing with eating disorders, both mild and extreme, is it is a, so many typos. It is a subconscious will, unwillingness to be in your body, to have a body, and to be human. It is an unwillingness to be here on this earth in this body your body is where all the pain and trauma is and emotion and feeling and sensations the idea goes that if you can just shrink it you can avoid some of this earthly pain but that is inherently anti-life and in order to heal you have to be willing to ride in the messiness of humanity it is not easy that's why so many people are looking for a way out there has to be a major choice for something different because how do you heal if you aren't willing to be fully alive? You can't. You have to want to be alive and ugly more than you want to be beautiful. This, I was in, I was in a kind of like frustrated place that made me write this. And like, I was like, you know what? It really is, it really does come down to this. And, um, and I just sort of like cut through all the bullshit. But also, what was I going to say? I'm like, thank you, Game of Thrones. You've hijacked my brain. Oh, oh. I am noticing with me reading what I notice all of the time. It's that what I'm listening to, and specifically the podcast that I'm, <laughs> that I'm listening to, um, they become infused. It's so strange. They become infused into my speaking voice and into my cadence and the energy with which... I speak, um, and I've been listening <laughs> to
to this podcast called Binge Mode about Game of Thrones because I'm insane, truly insane. One of my very favorite things to do besides talk about food and body image is to talk about fictional stories and fictional storytelling. I love it. It makes me happy. Um, but, and back when I was an actor, you know, two months ago before I like quit again for the millionth time, um, it felt really justified. I was like, well, this makes sense because it helps me do my job. If I understand how to tell fictional stories, I'll be better at telling fictional stories. But anyway, now it's just my, one of my very favorite things to do. Um, okay. The fear of being ugly. I read that. Now I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, the next one is called, am I anti-intuitive eating? Dun, dun, dun. I talk about this a lot through the through the years and through the blog posts I've touched on this but you know what this is my new take on it am I anti-intuitive eating I recently heard from a new reader concerned that I am negative about some of intuitive eating's guidelines and this is my response intuitive eating at its core is about listening to your body whoa guys I'm so sorry but I never even finished what I was saying about me listening to the Game of Thrones podcast anyway I hear myself sounding like that girl. Not really, but like just taking on a little bit accidentally. It's very strange. Let me get back to this. Sorry. Intuitive eating at its core is about listening to your body and trusting your body to lead the way with eating as opposed to listening to diet rules. Whoa. Who is it? Guys, I got an Amazon package and he laughed at me because I don't have a peephole, so I have to look... (laughs) Look through my mail slot. He didn't respond. I said, who is it? Twice. And he never responded. So anyway, I, I hope it's my garden shears because I have some seriously overgrown vines. All right, let's get back to this. I'm very sorry that this has been interrupted so many times, but you know what? That's how life goes. Anyway, your body will naturally lead you to the kinds of foods and amounts of foods that you eat. That is excellent. Being an intuitive eater is the goal. However, the way many people teach and practice intuitive eating, including the famous book of the same name, focuses on rating your hunger on a scale of 1 to 10. I read that book and used that method for years before the fuck a diet, and though I had times when I thought I was healed and normal with food, I was not. I was concerned with amounts, I ate crazy slow, and when I didn't I thought I was doing it wrong, and I was still very afraid of gaining weight. It always blew up in my face, even though I had stretches of weeks where I thought that I was healed. And I still was thinking about food all of the time. The good thing about the hunger scale is that any attempt to bring people into their bodies to, and teach them how to feel what their bodies feel like is good, but here are my major issues with it. Number one. Rate your hunger fullness level easily feels like a rule to people coming from a diet mindset. Two, this rule easily becomes obsessive and a way to eat correctly or incorrectly. Number three, it makes being too full seem like a negative thing. Therefore, there is still a way to fail at eating. Number four, the goal is still to rate your hunger so you eat less and control your weight. And that is still diet people's goals with rate your hunger what oh people's goals with the rate your hunger intuitive eating usually keep their diet goal oh caroline you need to use better punctuation people's goals with rate your hunger intuitive eating usually keep their diet goal of eating less 
for the purpose of controlling or losing weight. I need to edit this. This does not let you heal the biggest cause of food dysfunction, which is fear of weight, as I said in the last blog post. Our dysfunctional relationship with our bodies and our weight is the reason we are dysfunctional with food. It is the reason we do not trust our appetites. We judge our choices. We think we are gluttons and food addicts. We don't realize that our bodies and minds are reacting to any sort of restriction as a survival mechanism. This survival, this survival response is not healed by raiding your hunger and trying to make sure you don't get too full. That's just more of the same with a different name. I consider that a temporary band-aid. So yes, I am negative about rating your hunger and judging your success based on that. Rating your hunger for the casual awareness of, eh, I'm not that hungry, or yeah, I'm really hungry is fine, but like, why do you need a number? Just use those words. That's kind of like an anticlimactic ending. Okay, I just edited my blog posts and also found out that I was nominated for an award for the show that I did. How cool is that? So I spent some time texting people about that. And now I'm ready to move on to patreon.com slash Caroline Duner for you, for all of you guys playing along who want to also become podcast insiders so you can ask questions that I'll answer on the podcast. Um, I'm going to answer some questions that are on there right now that some podcast insiders asked. So... The first question, oh, and both of these questions are from Jennifer, two different Jennifers, meaning both questions were asked by a Jennifer. So the first Jennifer asks, when did you feel like you could say your relationship with food was healed? I know it's something that is always evolving and, and improving over time, but when did you realize you felt carefree, carefree about your food and body? Now here's a little story. There's another part of this question, but I'm gonna wait, I'm gonna answer this first part first. So I found major improvement after um, maybe like six months to a year because I really was feeding my body the carbs that I'd not been like fully allowing for many, many, many years. And there was a physical change in the way that my, that my brain fixated on food that I noticed after, you know, a good solid year. And I, you know, I kind of eased into this. I was still afraid of gluten for a while. I was still, um, I was kind of like easing into it, but I did um, on like an orthorexic scale, I was still afraid of um, ingredients, which I, you know, was determined to get over, but I was doing it in a manageable way. I didn't really have anyone guiding me. I was sort of guiding myself. Um, so it took longer, even longer, I think, than, than, than it may have needed to. However, that was just the path that it had to be. However, about uh, a year and a half in, I would say, I randomly started doing EFT, which is emotional freedom technique. It's this tapping on acupressure points that I had learned a long time ago and thought was super weird and super dumb. And I didn't know if it worked or not, but I heard someone talking about how it helped them with their relationship to their weight. And I was like, you know what? I'm gonna try to use it. And I did it like, one afternoon and I totally forgot that I had done it um but very soon after that I noticed that I wasn't thinking about food at all and I really wasn't thinking about food and body I was just really focusing on my life and it's hard to say because I sort of had a huge life change I 
I this was four, almost four years ago at this point, maybe ex- literally exactly four years ago, and I um, I got a, a theater job in Philadelphia, and I'd lived in New York at the time, so I moved to Philadelphia temporarily. I subletted for a third of a year. Um, I had a totally different life, essentially, than I'd had the week before, but that was right around the time that I did the energy work. I did the energy work while I was still in New York, and then I moved and I was doing a totally different job and I was really excited and I was meeting all these new friends and I was just like sort of jumped into my life however like a couple months after that I was like whoa I really don't think about food and I'm like really not afraid to like eat all these cookies and I just sort of trust that like this is exactly what I need and I'd been like a little scared to do that before even though I was doing it I like wasn't able to really just surrender and trust and I really really do credit it to energy work. I really, really do. And that is why I started training in energy work and putting it into my programs and kind of explaining how and why you might want to do that. So so the answer was a year and a half in and I had made great strides just kind of doing it on my own and facing my own fears. But I do think that dropping into your body and leaning into stress around it is really really helpful and energy work is one of the ways that you can do that so you can look up EFT on your own if you want to and then of course I teach energy work both in Fucketeer Academy and in Become Your Own Damn Guru but you can look this up on your own it's all over the internet super free um the next part of the question is if slash when your weight fluctuates a little now which it does my weight fluctuates Um, what is your feeling or response to it? Okay, well, I know that I keep talking about me doing theater, but uh, how long ago? Just almost two months ago, Gypsy ended, and I was in Gypsy, and I was Gypsy, and Gypsy is about, is a musical, an old musical that's about Gypsy Rose Lee, who was a stripper, a, a, uh, whatever, a, a burlesque star in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, And so basically I had to strip at the end of the show and it was like super, you know, it it was like, you know, 1930s, 40s, 50s strippers were very different than now and she was like a striptease artist so it was all about sort of just like jokes and, and slowly taking things off and like not actually revealing anything. But anyway, so I was really, I was probably the weight I am right now going into the process but I was so tired and focused on not getting sick that I was like taking care of myself to the hilt and like really just like all I did was rehearse and sleep and like eat really healthy foods that I was craving and I was also really really stressed too so that's another part of this but I just like not genuinely not even trying to lost weight so much so that like the special bras that I was having them buy me like for these costumes and like for the stripping costumes and um because my bra size is so strange kept on not fitting they kept on being too big and so I lost all this weight doing gypsy and I knew it was like all I did was go and do the show and I was like there was a lot of dancing in it and there was like I was walking the to and back for for whatever to and fro every day and I was just stressed and like super focused on it um 
And I, whenever I lose weight, like accidentally, I always like feel bad. I'm like, oh, people are gonna think that I'm like obsessed with weight loss and it's honestly just happening. But I knew somewhere deep in my bones that it was temporary and that I would gain it back because it was like born of this kind of stressful, all-consuming experience. Um, and basically, I think I was just like moving a lot more than I usually do. But um, I, the show ended and I went back to my rest and I started focusing on, you know, floating in my parents' pool and, you know, doing like really like leaning back into the rest that I talk about so much. And um, I've definitely gained weight since then, probably back to what is more of a normal weight for me. And we're only talking like 10-ish pounds here, but still that can make a big difference. Um, And I just have a completely different relationship to it. I understand, I can look back to times in my life, especially over the past five years, five, you know, five to six years of the fuck it diet and see that the times that I have lost weight accidentally have been times of great stress, of high stress, because I don't use food as a coping mechanism anymore for the most part. Um, And I also don't binge anymore because I don't feel restricted at all. Um, I, I do eat a lot when I get hungry. When I forget to eat, I have to eat a lot because I'm hungry, but this is a totally different way um, of relating to food than I used to have. So basically I can see that it's times of stress when I'm so focused on something else that I will lose weight because I really like, I am not prioritizing food, um, for better or for worse. But what that means is that when that period is over and it has to end because living on adrenaline is really, really bad for you long-term. It's what makes us sick essentially, um, or can tip you over into being sick. It, Basically, knowing that, that that time of stress and weight loss because of stress um, will end and knowing that I will gain weight back again and that that is a good thing and that it, that is fine, um, that is a huge shift in perspective from how it would have been before, which would have been, oh my God, I've lost weight. It's because I'm being so particular or it's because I'm doing X, Y, Z or I need to keep this up or what am I doing? And then kind of trying to control that even more, trying to figure out what I'm doing or figure out what's going on or figure out what's quote unquote working when all it really is is a period that shouldn't last, basically, if that makes sense. This is basically an opposite way of looking at food than at food and weight and weight loss and weight gain and fluctuations. Um, than I would look at before. So basically it's been a big change and it happened over time. It happened from seeing that uh, my thinner times were my uh, the times when I was the most stressed and the least happy and they were actually happening because I was going through a bad time and that weight loss, I mean weight gain, like weight gain again and again because I really have stabilized and my relationship to food is way healthier and um, less loaded and it's just not a stressor or a focus anymore. Um, These fluctuations are not huge but they are noticeable to my bras essentially and like sometimes to my pants but mostly just my bras Um, because that's where I gain and lose weight. But uh, understanding that 
a little bit higher on that fluctuation is probably where I am healthier and calmer and more rested is uh, is a big change. And so that is my feeling or response to it. But that kind of had to be experienced over time and deliberately changing the way that I look at weight and weight gain and weight loss and, and fluctuations and seeing what actually was going on during those times when I lost weight or gained weight, um, not trying to. So, and of course, then like cycles and like hormones play into it as well. And we have less control over that. But just watching that too and seeing that it, it comes and it goes and what's happening during all of those times. That is my response. I don't know if that fully answers your question, but that is the most recent example I have of fluctuating and not really caring. What's the only hard thing are my freaking bathing suits that are like, that are so expensive that I like buy to fit my like strange like bra size. But um, honestly, that's the hardest part. I've started saving. I know I talk about getting rid of clothes and I do think you should get rid of clothes that don't fit you anymore. But I have started realizing that I really do fluctuate over time in a way that affects the way that I fit into bras. So keeping many different sizes of bras is something that I'm just going to start doing so I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I'm going to move on to this other question, which was asked by another Jennifer. She said, so along with the email about when a metabolism is quote unquote healed, am I right that a healed metabolism might not equal a thin body? In my head, healed equals thin and it just isn't happening for me. Is this something that I need to let go of? Don't get me wrong, I'm so much happier and more at ease in the world now and basically the only thing that isn't better now is clothes shopping. Totally understandable, Jennifer. I understand clothes shopping is really hard and I... I know that I am thin, but I do look at this from a bra and boob perspective that I don't fit into normal sizes and it can be really frustrating because I want to buy a dress, but I really just can't because there's no version of that dress that will ever fit me. Um, And I know that it's even harder for people who are shopping in a world that just isn't making clothes for their body at all. But yes, you are right that a healed metabolism might not equal a thin body, and for many people, it doesn't. Sometimes your weight set point has raised um, from what it may have been otherwise when you were younger, and sometimes the weight set point is just starts out high because of genetics. But um, doing a lot of dieting and a lot of restricting can raise a set point for the rest of your life because your body just kind of is afraid of going on a famine again and I think in time some people find that it can come down and for some people it just doesn't and another thing that is important to think about is there is this theory or this way of looking at metabolism and weight where a an efficient metabolism is one that holds on to weight because it is actually allowing you to survive if you stop getting food. Whereas an inefficient metabolism is one that burns everything off and loses weight really quickly. This is not as ideal from an actual famine survival perspective. So if you have um, family history of famine and or dieting or a personal history of dieting, which is famine to the body, Um, This can raise personal and genetic set points. And I know that that sucks from a cultural standpoint in a culture that is not as kind or accommodating to bigger bodies. 
but just understanding that your your personal body can be its healthiest even at a higher weight and and kind of getting out of that belief system and the paradigm that the smaller you are the better your metabolism is or the healthier you are because that isn't necessarily true a lot of people who diet a lot and are tiny just based on their own genetic set point um, have really really low metabolisms and they're suffering from a lot of health issues and they're cold all the time and they have no energy and they do not have efficient or healthy metabolisms because they are not able to stay in a stabilized place where their body feels like it's getting as much as it needs and yeah it just depends and I I'm essentially I'm confirming your question your question is are you right that a healed metabolism might not equal a thin body? Because healed does not equal thin. Some people it does and some people it doesn't. And the thing that I really am hoping that we can start to understand on the bigger picture, on the in, you know, in the culture at large, is that body diversity is a real thing and that you really, really cannot tell someone's health or eating habits from the size of their body. That's something that... I will advocate for till the day I die. Um, I kind of thought that there were some more uh, questions that were asked, maybe on a different post, but I'm not seeing it right now. So if there are more questions that I'm not catching right now, I will obviously answer them on the next podcast. And if you want to become a podcast insider, you can join Um, and donate $1 a month or more, obviously, but as low as $1 a month will give you the privilege of asking questions that I will answer on the podcast. And without further ado, I'm going to leave you and go out for a walk and then probably watch some TV (laughs) and eat dinner. Isn't it a good life? Um, What else? Uh, I think that that's it. I know that I'm kind of trailing off and not remembering what I started but the next podcast that I release will be the Isabel Fox and Duke interview slash conversation and it's the second one that we've done it's new you guys haven't heard it yet and I'm excited to get it out to you and I hopefully will hear from you guys who become podcast insiders and ask your questions for the podcast all right goodbye